want to encourage you, you can download the Bible Project app. It's called Read Scripture. You can download it. They've got videos for every book of the Bible as well, different videos throughout that will help the Bible make more sense. If you were to Google and type in how to find joy, did you know that you would have over 215 million results that would pop up in less than one second? 215 million results would pop up in telling you how to find joy in life, things like this, turn off the TV. And maybe in today's culture of really bad news or really biased news, maybe that's the point you are at right now. Things like get to know your neighbors. And if you haven't known your neighbors or don't know your neighbors, I would tell you, you need to know your neighbors. Just from a gospel understanding of what the Bible means when it says to love your neighbor as yourself. It says to give more. You want to be a person who celebrates or finds joy? Learn to give more. It says also things like this. Play with your kids. Get out in nature. Don't get caught up in the everyday things that wear you out and burn you out. Don't, don't let anger be the thing that pushes you. Let joy and let those things that, that really experience or bring life be the ones that push you. So when you go to Google and you look up how to find joy, there's all kinds of ways you can find joy. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at Philippians because our sermon series is called Joy Ride. And Paul's going to address a thing today that's really the reality of joy and gospel partnership. Paul in Philippians chapter 1 gives us a great insight into what it means to find joy in the gospel-centered, Christ-exalting relationships and partnerships we have. And part of the Christian's experience of a joy ride is the relationships we have within our church family and our local church as well. And so I'm going to read this real quickly, and we're going to jump into something. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and we'll, we'll get started. It says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 9, and this is my prayer. This is Paul again to the church at Philippi. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we pray today that God, just as Paul said that, that we would remember uh, the people within our church, that we would thank you for every, every time we get to remember those people, that not just in our church, but other believers that we may know here in the United States and around the world. And God, I pray that you would just continue to build in us, that we would understand and grow into your love more and more so that we would have knowledge and depth of insight. And with that, we would be able to discern what is best and may be pure and righteous in your eyes. We pray today that you would speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, Paul was thankful for gospel partnership here in the book of Philippi. He's writing a letter to the Philippians saying, hey, I want to thank you for the gospel partnership in which you've blessed me with. If you watched that video, it said that they sent Epaphroditus with what? 
with some gifts to take to Paul who was on house arrest because of the change, because of the gospel, and he's on house arrest, and the Philippians say, hey, we want to thank you for everything that you have done, Paul. We're, we're giving you, we're providing you in this. And so today as we jump into this joyride journey, I want you to see this, that we need to be thankful for the volunteers, the people that we're connected with, the church members we have, the leaders we have, the workers who help with things and function and help us move forward. So I wanted to recognize a couple people today. First and foremost, I'm going to ask Donna to come up. I do not see Robin. Is Robin here today? And Donna, where's Donna? She's downstairs counting. Can you go get her? I got to embarrass her. While we're doing that, I'm going to have Miss Kim... And Marty come up here. All right. Yeah, come on. Don't give me that look. <laughs> Just joking. Hey, for those of you who don't know, a lot of times people get overlooked or they do a lot of work and they don't necessarily get recognized. And Kim has been, how long have you been here? I should have asked this. Over 20 years. Kim has been serving in the, the ministry, the, the children's ministry back there, taking care of some of the kids who are grown and gone would come back and know. I, I know you got their children now, right? Right, Mallory's. Yeah, so I wanted to give you flowers and say thank you for what you do here for our church, for the kids and everything that you do. And Marty, I know she doesn't want the recognition. Marty has been volunteering and took on the leadership role within the kids ministry on, on the Trails Kids. All right. And so I wanted to say thank you to Marty and Kim for your leadership for your investment and what you guys have done. I know you don't get a lot of recognition. And hey, here's the thing I also want to encourage you. I don't think you realize the amount of time some people put in uh, to preparing and dealing with all this. So I just want to say thank you for that. Will you guys recognize them? Tell them thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kim. And uh, Donna, Donna was downstairs counting. I'm going to recognize Donna because Donna works over and above and beyond anything that you could ever uh, experience. Come on up here. I know you really don't want this. Donna, Donna's got like, I mean, she works full time down in Lee Summit. And if it wasn't for, Donna, Donna carries the weight of iHeart Independence. When I came and I said, hey, I want to do this four years ago, Donna's like, oh, this is awesome. This is up like my alley. Donna is an administrative stud. Um, I have no other way to, she is unbelievable. Um, she works circles around most people I know. If we ever have a job opening, come up here at the church, I'm going to offer it to you. <laughs> so, but Donna, Donna if, if you were a part of iHeart Independence, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to you. But secondly, I want to say thank you mostly to Donna to let you know that everything that you volunteered with in some way, shape, or form comes through Donna as far as organizing, administrating, contacting, getting stuff lined out, and it's just a great opportunity. So I wanted to say thank you, thank you. For, your, for your service, for your ministry, and what you've done here. Okay. So Appreciate thank you, it. yeah. And, and, and Robin is not here today. The other ones were for Robin. Robin did the same. Robin did a lot of work with that. And I, I, this is in no way, shape, or form. Let, let me... I want to clarify something on this. This is in no way, shape, or form to not acknowledge those who serve on a regular basis. So here's what I want to do. This is just acknowledging the leaders who have let out, who carry a lot of weight, 
But with that weight, they also realize that there are people under them or who have helped them and supported them uh, to carry out that ministry as well. So here's what I want to do just very simply. If you volunteer at all in the children's ministry or you volunteered in iHeart Independence or you are a, a Sunday school teacher or you're volunteering in the hospitality team, would you stand up just where you're at? All right, come on, stand up. Worship team, sorry. Let me. If you volunteer in the church, stand up. All right, thank you. All right, if you are, yeah, deacons, ushers, anything like that. Here, here's what I want to encourage you with in this, all right? Paul's letter may seem so simple, but yet at the same so grand, all right? Paul's letter is a simple way of acknowledging that he appreciates the partnership he has with the church at Philippi for the gospel. I hope you get that big picture. It's for the gospel. You guys can go. I don't, if you want to go, you can go. I don't, I don't want to make you stay forever, but... Um, Paul is acknowledging what's taking place, all right? And what's taking place is this, that Paul is saying thank you to the church at Philippi for giving to him while he's in chains. You have to listen to this. He is in chains for the sake of Christ, not for anything else. I mean, he didn't go out and rob a, a quick trip and get thrown in prison. The church went, oh, I feel sorry for you. We're going to provide for your needs. Paul is in chains for the sake of the gospel. He was told, stop preaching, and Paul said, Pfft. No, I'm not going to stop. And so as a result, he's thrown into prison. He's put in chains. And so I'm thankful for our great volunteers and leaders, but I want us to see this, that in the midst of all that thanks, there is something that Paul calls the people to do. There is something that Paul is expressing that we have to begin to understand. And so if you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that the church must be a place of love and joy as we partner in the gospel and grow in love towards others and God as well. The church must be a place of love and joy as we partner in what? In the gospel and grow in love towards others and God as well. I want you to remember that idea that the church must be a place of love. Now, before we jump in, I just have to clarify things because I know with today's political turmoil and situation, a lot of people say, well, if the church was love, they wouldn't be so judgmental. Let me clarify just very quickly. The church's love is always built upon the foundation of Christ as the cornerstone and his word as the foundation. So we stand on the truth of the gospel gospel. We stand on the truth of God's word. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is the cornerstone which holds everything together. So let me clarify real quick, because sometimes love means that you're going to tell somebody they're wrong. All right, we live in a world today that says if you tell somebody they're wrong, you're a bigot. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. What I want you to see is that the truth is built upon the foundation of God's word with Christ as the cornerstone. In order to get across the gospel, we have to stand firm on that. If we neglect or walk away from the gospel in any way, shape, or form, we might as well just stop being a church. The gospel is good news, right? When, we, when you hear the word gospel, you should always hear good news. There is good news for those who are perishing. There are good news for those who are trapped in their sins. There's good news every day for each and every one of us who realize where we stand as individuals in the midst of who Christ is. It is good news for that. But the church must be a place of love and joy as we partner in the gospel and grow in love towards others and God. 
So here's what we're going to look at, and I'm going to point out three simple things I think Paul is trying to get across as we want to do that. We want to be a place of love. Listen to what he says. First of all, Paul expresses something, and it's a prayer of joy in his gospel partnership with the Philippians. Look at verses 3 through 5. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. Paul says, every time I remember the church at Philippi, I remember the good things. And I'm going I'm to say something that I think will maybe resonate with you. I'm not for sure. But do you remember your first job? Or maybe it was your first full-time job. Do you remember that job? Is there good, good, do good memories come to mind or do bad memories come to mind? Is it something that you're like, oh man, it's joyous? Or is it something that's like, oh man, that was brutally terrible. It was awful. It was the worst thing I could have ever experienced. It may be something like that. But what I want you to see is this. Paul has a special relationship with the church at Philippi because of what started in Acts chapter 16. And there's a special place inside of every pastor as well for that first church. And I can speak from experience with our first church in Texas. All right, we, we served at a great church as volunteers in Springfield. We went to Texas. We got this special, special relationship with this church, that, and it wasn't even our first full-time ministry position, but it was just a special relationship. And I'm going to tell you, this sermon is actually the sermon I preached the day uh, I turned in, or it was, sorry, my last Sunday there at that church. And there were a lot of emotions, there were a lot of tears, there was a lot of excitement about what was going to come on. But I stand by this, that Paul had a special feeling for the church at Philippi because of what they meant and what they have done. Just as every church, they always say this about pastors, the first church always holds a special place in your heart. Now our church no longer exists, the church we served at. They no longer exist, all right? They, they, they moved, well, I say they no longer exist. They no longer exist where they were at. They've moved and changed names, and it's just not the same as it was when we were there. But what I want you to see is this, that when we pray with joy in gospel partnership and celebrate the gospel partnership, we begin to see things in a different way. See, Paul begins by thanking God for his friends in Christ, both for what God has done and is doing in their lives and for their partnership with him in the gospel. Listen to what he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time I remember you, I thank God for what's going on. And I want to ask you this question. Do you thank God for the gospel partnerships you have? Do we as a church thank God for the gospel partnerships we have? And to realize this, there's something special that takes place now. We have a gospel partnership with a church that meets right here in our building, right? We are united in them, united around Christ, united under Christ, united under the authority of God's word, and we are united with them because why? We have a gospel partnership. Yeah, can we kill that fan? I've got a little mouse up here that about every three seconds goes, yep. So, I'm sorry, we're going to have to replace it. But anyways, so listen, here's the beauty about gospel partnership. A gospel partnership means that you can do something together that you couldn't do by yourself. And Paul is saying, listen, I want to thank you. I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray for joy, or with joy. And he says, why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Remember, Paul's being brought gifts. 
And in the midst of those gifts, Paul is very thankful for the partnership he has with this church. Why? Because he's down. Go to prison. Find out what it's like. This is an encouragement. And here's the beauty of this. In the midst of them trying to encourage Paul, what does Paul do to him in sending this letter back? He starts right off with what? Encouragement. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Because for without it, we would be missing something. And what I want to challenge you as a church is first I want to say thank you for your gospel partnership for without it, we would be missing something. But I also want to say this, if you're not partnering with the church, if you're not a part of the church and serving in the church, I want to challenge you to get involved in the church so that you can have that gospel partnership. See, the easiest thing to do is to always go into a church and say, what do you provide for me? What are you going to give my family? And those are easy things. And listen, I'm a parent, and I understand that first thing. My first thought when we came to this church, and I love our church wholeheartedly, but my first thought when we came in was, oh my gosh, our children's ministry just went from one with Anna to four with my kids. What is this church going to do for my kids? And that's the wrong attitude with which we approach it, because then we make it, make it all about, oh, I go to this church because of my kids. When the reality should be, I go to this church because this is where God wants me. I go to this church because God has a special place for me to serve and to get plugged in and to do ministry and to be a part of a gospel partnership, part of a movement that takes place. And so he's literally saying, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you because I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. And here's why. Here's what he's saying. All right? I thank you for that gospel partnership. Why? Because that partnership is just the beginning. Because listen to what he says. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you hear what takes place? In a gospel partnership, there is continual what? Growth. There's a continual depth of connection and relationships and growth that takes place. And he says, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. In other words, there's this picture that God doesn't leave anything unfinished. That God has everything in place and it's a work in progress day in and day out until the completion that will be the completion in the day of who? Christ Jesus, when Christ comes back or I die, then God has completed his process in my life. And that's what we begin to see. And so the idea is this, that we pray or we have prayer of joy in gospel partnership, that we should pray about it all the time. See, when we feel like we're going through things alone in life, it's much more difficult, it's much more painful, it's much more torturous. But when we have the love and support and encouragement of others, we're able to stand stronger, to stand and be encouraged to to get through those difficult times and those difficult situations. Because here's the truth of the matter. If we even go to James... Whenever we face trials and tribulations, those trials and tribulations develop perseverance. And perseverance has to work, and it builds itself up until you grow and you understand what God's doing. And that's the work or the process that Paul's talking about. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
Every trial, every struggle, every temptation, every difficulty you face is that process of God building you stronger and stronger so that you learn to stand on the truth of his word, that he builds you into who he wants you to be. And the truth of the matter is this, that when that happens within the church with one person and you have other people to rely upon, you are strengthened and encouraged. And so this letter is an encouragement to the church at Philippi. Why? Because the church at Philippi encouraged Paul first. Now, he's going to address some issues that Philippi had later on, but Paul always starts with encouragement. And I think there's something to be said there. It's easier to discipline after you've encouraged, right? We used to say it this way, all right? You have to have more deposits than withdrawals. If you're constantly making withdrawals, you're going to have a negative balance. But if you're making deposits, when you got to make a withdrawal, you don't overdraft on the, the deposits, all right? So if you want to have a strong relationship with people, make more deposits than withdrawals. If you make withdrawals, you're sucking the life out of people. Make deposits. Build them up. Encourage them. Why? Because there's going to be a time when you face some difficulty or struggle that you're going to need to make a, a withdrawal. You're going to call out to somebody and say, I need some help. And so those are all things we can begin to learn from and understand why. Because Paul has a dear spot with the Philippian church in his heart. Listen to number two. The church must be a place of love and joy as we partner in the gospel and grow in love towards others and God. Here's Paul's second part of prayer. All right, In his praying for him is a prayer of joy in gospel participation. All right, first gospel partnership, in other words, we're coming together, but also gospel participation. And what I mean by that is how we all participate in the good news of the gospel. This is what he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you, what's it say? Share in God's grace with me. When you are a part of the church, you share in God's grace with everybody else. Not just here, but our Hispanic church, churches around the city, churches around the state, churches in Mexico, churches in Africa. You are a part of sharing in God's grace with the rest of the body of Christ. And sadly, we forget that. Sadly, we oftentimes neglect that. We don't remember what that means. And Paul is, he's, he's literally praying and saying, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. I have, I'm going through this joy ride and I want you to understand that I am, I am, I'm appreciative of God's grace. See, gospel participation is something that we oftentimes overlook, but Paul was confident in God's grace and trusted God that he who started a good work will continue it to completion only because of God's grace, not because of anything that they did. It was simply by God's grace. Find it ironic here, but listen, listen, Paul in 2 Corinthians, there's a point where Paul's dealing with this stitch in the side, the thorn in the flesh, you know what I'm talking about, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says, God, will you just please take it away, get it away from me, and God says, no, 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 my, my grace is sufficient. So in the midst of maybe an addiction, in the midst of a problem, a turmoil, a temptation, a trial, when Paul says, will you just take this away from me, Paul, God says, no, no, I'm not going to. Why? Because my grace is sufficient. 
God's grace is sufficient to get you through every circumstance, situation, difficulty, and struggle you face. And I know some people today may be thinking, well, that's the Bible answer. But you have to begin to understand, when you start to think that way, well, that's the Bible answer, I'm looking for more, you start to look for ways that you can accomplish it rather than God accomplishing it. And so Paul is very thankful for their participation. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God working in and through us. Everywhere we've been, we've built great relationships with people. And while these are great, what is important is that the mission continues on, whether it's Paul or somebody else. And what we begin to understand is that God is continuing his work today through the church, and he's not finished. He's going to carry it out, but it's only coming through God's grace. Listen, it's right for me, he says, to feel about you this way. Why? Why is it right? Why? Because that's called brotherly love. It's called the love that God put in Paul's heart as a result of what God did in Paul's heart first through grace. And so the reason why I say the church should be about love and joy is because the love and joy that we should carry should be the love and joy that God gives us first and foremost. Love for God first, love for others second. Joy is a result of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we begin to be a church of love and joy as a result of God's grace working in and through us. And listen to what he says in verse 8. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. See, Christ's love had so overwhelmed Paul that the affection God had for his people is the very same affection that Paul has for the same people. The love you and I should bear for one another should be the exact same thing. That in the midst of everything that we face, that we should love one another with a brotherly love, but with a Christ-centered love. Why? Because God loved his people first, and therefore, as a result of God's grace, I should love people the same way. Now, that doesn't mean it's not easy, or it's easy. It doesn't mean it's not hard. Because when somebody says something to you, in a negative, condescending way, or somebody's constantly an excuse maker, after a while, it's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm done. I don't need this. I don't want this. And while painful, at the same time, we have to begin to understand that we love an individual because God loved them just as much as he loved us. Remember, while you were yet sinners, Christ, what? That is an expression of God's love. And in the midst of knowing that we were going to sin, he still died. Knowing that we were going to sin and disobey on a daily consistent basis, he still died. To pay the price for the sins that you and I could not pay on our own. So Paul, in this beautiful letter to the church at Philippi, challenges us to pray to pray with joy in gospel partnership or for gospel partnership, to pray with joy in gospel participation, and then the last thing, to pray the prayer of joy in love and growth. Listen to what he says in verse 9. And this is my prayer, that whose love? Your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best 
and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Listen to what he says. Love may abound, that your love may abound more and more, points to this idea that it's the character of God first, not our character, that your love may abound more and more, that God's grace would be played out more and more in yours and my life. See, love is the overflow of joy in God. Love is the overflow of joy in God. And if God is love, according to the Bible, God is love, it's an agape love, it's an unconditional love, then he says that your unconditional love may abound more and more. My understanding of what it means to love. See, love places a high value on a person seeking the benefit of the one who is loved rather than seeking the benefit of the one who is doing the loving. Does that make sense? And so as we mark or walk through this, that's the true mark of a Christian. A mark of a Christian and the mark of a church is literally this, love. A mark of a Christian and a mark of a Christ-controlled, Christ-controlled church is love. Easy, simple way to mark a person who's a Christian and mark a person or a Christ-centered church is love. Sadly, sadly, many people, as well as many churches, don't express that whatsoever. There's not a carryover of Christ-centered love, but rather, hey, man, just let me take care of myself. I got enough problems as it is. I got enough situations and issues and difficulties and everything else. But listen to what he says, that your love may abound more and more in what? In knowledge. What does he mean by that? This idea is this, that growth, the growth that love must continue to grow. In order to grow, something has to be what first? It has to be planted. It has to be in the soil. It has to be taken in the nutrients around it. It needs to take in more of God's word. It's got to grow and, and understand what's taking place. It has to be planted in the depth of the soil. It has to be watered and fertilized and taken care of. And if your love is growing cold or stagnant, then there's obviously sin in your life. You're missing the fertilizer. You're missing the nutrients and the water of what's taking place, and you're neglecting it. So if there is a continual, constant walk away from love, then you might be missing what you need in the first place. So listen again what he says, that your love may abound more and more. But he says in this, in knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, it's an ever-increasing knowledge of God that I would grow to understand more and more. I love getting texts from people in the church who are like, man, I just read this today. And this blew my mind. God is really doing this in my heart. Because you know what, a, you know what a, it, as a pastor, you know what the most beneficial thing is? I'll even say this. I, I, I love when people say, great sermon. But you know what in my heart it automatically goes and says? Awesome, great, but. And here's the But. The greatest sermon a pastor ever sees played out is when his people do what God's word says. That's why I think one of the biggest struggles as a pastor is when there's conflict within a church. 
Because that conflict doesn't reflect Christ at all. It doesn't reflect God's word at all. It reflects selfishness. And so, don't hear me wrong, all right? I don't want you to walk out and go, I'm not going to tell that guy he's got a good sermon in his life. You know, just, I'm just going to ignore it, all right? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is in my mind, I always am thinking, man, if our church just lived it, if we live it, that's the greatest encouragement a pastor can ever receive is when the church fulfills what God has called them to do. That's why it's so exciting when I get a text message to say, hey, this is what God's telling me. This is what God is teaching me. You want to know why? Because it's nothing I did. Who did it? God did it in their life through his word. And that's the whole point of a pastor, to prepare God's people for works of service so that they can grow in knowledge and to be able to discern what takes place. So growth is an ever-increasing growing in the love and knowledge for it leads us. Listen to what it says, all right? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. There's a reason why. Depth of insight is literally this idea of moral, moral character, a moral standard, moral integrity, all right? So that you will know who God is as well as the moral integrity or the moral standard with which he sets. But here's why. All right, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to, you may be able to what? What's it say? To discern what is what? What? To discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you hear what takes place? As I grow in love, as I grow in knowledge, and as I grow in depth of insight, I will be able to determine what is best not what is best for me, but what is best by God's standards. See, the problem is a lot of times we go in this and go, well, this is the best for me. Is it the best by God's standards? I've had teenagers, and I've told you this story before, teenagers over and over and over again come in and say, God told me I can do this. Huh, that's funny because it completely contradicts God's word. I've had conversations with grown adults with that same statement. God told me I could do this. Really? So he contradicts his word for you. Well, no. Well, that's what you just said. God never contradicts his word. Listen to what he says. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be, listen, pure and blameless. It's not the idea that I don't sin, but it's the idea that I'm found complete. I am found finished at the coming of Christ. That I, am, I have completed everything that I was supposed to do by God or through God so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. Here's the truth. When we grow in love, when we grow in the knowledge and depth of insight, guess what we're able to do? Determine what is best and what? Be pure and blameless. We strive for holiness rather than our selfish desires. And remember, holiness is always God's key factor. I want you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation is what he says in Peter. Holiness is always God's desire. Listen, listen to what Charles Spurgeon, for those of you who don't know, Charles Spurgeon was a, a, a preacher back in the 1800s. It says, he says this, It's of no use for any of you to try and be soul winners if you're not bearing fruit in your own lives. 
How can you serve the Lord with your lips if you not serve Him with your lives? You could preach His gospel with your tongues when with hands, feet, and heart you are preaching the devil's gospel and setting up an antichrist by your practical unholiness. Listen to what he says, all right? So that you may be determined or you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. See, here's what Paul's laying out. Paul is laying out this, that when you are filled with the fruit of righteousness, then your life is characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the gospel, which is to have one's life overflow with the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You get all of those things. Those are all a result of not how hard you work, but a result of God's work in you. Christ working in you. Why? Because I'm growing in my love more and more. As I grow in my love more and more, I grow in knowledge and depth of insight so that I may do what is best as well as be made pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some practical steps, some lessons for living today as we wrap this up. In order to be a person who effectively walks like Paul talks about, we focus on a gospel partnership. We have to pray about that gospel partnership. We pray about gospel participation, but we also pray literally for joy or in joy for our love and our growth in the gospel. So here's the lessons of living. I want to give you very simple. Number one, God's church should look for and be thankful for God's partnership. And I want to encourage you, and I want to tell you this. I thank you for what's going on. I thank you for the fact that we see the need, that we respond to the need, that we understand that it's not just about us, that it's about the gospel going forward. A gospel-centered church, or God's church, Christ's church, should always look for and be thankful for gospel partnerships. Always. It's not about any one individual. It's not about any one church but that we would look for gospel partnerships. We've got one with our Hispanic church. We now have one with the church in Mexico. Those are awesome starts. Those are awesome opportunities. But we should always be looking for gospel partnerships. Why? Because the church multiplies quicker when we partner with others than if we just solely focus on ourselves. So that's number one, lesson for living number one. God's church should look for and be thankful for gospel partnerships. Number two, God's church should celebrate gospel participation. If you noticed, or I don't know if you noticed this or not, you may not have because the video was playing, but one of the things, and I'll invite you, you can go out there, if, if you have never been baptized, you have, you have put your faith and trust in Christ and you've never been baptized, I want to just ask you, why not? And here's what I'm talking about. Gospel participation is a result of what God has done in and through you. Baptism is just simply an obedience thing. Why are we baptized? We're baptized because God called us to be baptized. It's an outward showing of an inward commitment. And if you've never been baptized, I want to challenge you to say, come and talk to me later today. We'll set up a time where you're baptized. That is your public profession of partnering or participating in the gospel with the church. You're letting unbelievers know that you're putting Christ first. You're letting believers know that I'm participating with you. I am a participant in the gospel. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient for me that regardless of what I've done in the past, 
He died on the cross for me. He rose again, defeating sin and defeating death and offering me life and life more abundant in the name of Christ. And so baptism is a showing of your participation. That's just the start. If you've already been baptized, then I would just say, hey, how are you participating within the church? Are you using the gifts, talents, and abilities with which God gave you to serve the church? That's gospel participation. Number three, lesson for living. God's church should be ever-growing in love toward God and others. Ever-growing in love toward God and others. So here's the question. Are you growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ? If not, here's the challenge. Download the Bible project. Read scripture app and start reading the Bible. If it's not that, download you version. If you do not have a Bible, come see me. We'll give you a Bible. Take one of the Bibles out of the pew. That's what they're there for. They do no good sitting here six days a week. All right? Take a Bible. Take it home and read it. If you don't understand King James, come tell me, and I'll get you a Bible that's not King James. All right? And we'll work on that. But grow in the understanding of who God is and what he wants you to do and how much he loves you. Why? Because Christ's church should be ever growing in love toward God and others. And number four, God's church should be bearing fruit of righteousness in Christ. Remember this, that every one of us make up the church and that every one of us should be bearing fruit or fruits of righteousness in Christ, not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done in us. So the challenge today is this. Are you thankful for your gospel partnerships? Are you thankful for the people around you? Do you let them know that? Do you express that thanks, that generosity, that, that love that you have towards them because of what they do for you? Are you growing in the grace and understanding and knowledge so that you will know what's best and be pure and blameless? And are you bearing fruit of righteousness in Christ? Let's pray. God, I thank you that we have a church that realizes, understands, and sees the need for the gospel to move forward, for the good news of Jesus Christ to penetrate the darkness, and for a church that's willing to put their money where their mouth is to serve, even in the midst of knowing that sometimes we've served with absolutely no fruit being born here with people coming to church. But God, I pray that we would be faithful, that as we grow in the knowledge and understanding and the, the, the discernment, being able to discern what is best and what is pure and righteous, God, that you would use us, people who have been set apart for your gospel, for your good works, that as you work in us, you work through us, and we are able to accomplish more in that. So God, would you do that so that we can be people who bear fruit of righteousness day in and day out. And God, I pray that you would add to your number daily here in our church as well as around the world, that God, your gospel would be made known, that more and more people would understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We're gonna stand and sing. As we stand and sing, if you've never committed your life to Christ, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I wanna challenge you to do that today that the Spirit may be calling you because Jesus' death on the cross pays the price for everything that you have ever done, regardless of how bad you think you are. If you've never been baptized and you want to talk to somebody about that, you can come forward and talk to me, and we'd love to talk to you about that as well. So let's close with this song. You'll be dismissed.